welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dawkins. Uh, what do you want? I'm doing my emails. Yeah, not supposed to be working away after a con. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the curse of the convention. Not just the coughs, the sore throat, and the headache, but also the mountain of admin that waits when you return. Yes, um, we have just come back from UK Games Expo. Actually, as I'm recording, it's literally like we just got back yesterday. Um, yeah. And we are getting ready to do Onyx PathCon. By the time you hear this, Onyx PathCon should be about to start in a few hours. Uh, so we thought it'd be a good time to kind of talk about uh, UK Games Expo and Onyx PathCon specifically, but conventions in general, because uh, we're in a interesting state with at least i've been a personal interesting state with conventions as a whole oh well in the sense that for the past few years we've had various refrains of you know things are weird conventions are you know online or they're sparsely attended and everyone needs to wear a mask and everything yeah, that, that's true that's true different this is the first physical convention i've gone to for work uh, that I that was the, as close as possible to how I remember conventions being. Yeah, it, uh, this is likewise. I've been to Tabletop Scotland since the pandemic, but mm -hmm. the this uh, UK Games Expo isn't quite Gen Con in scale, but it's approaching there. And in, in a UK, to use the word scale again, at a UK scale, relatively <laughs> speaking, it is Gen Con uh, in the British Isles and. It was in some ways overwhelming as a result, but it wasn't quite as intimidating and overbearing as I perhaps worried that it might be. But it, but it means conventions now exist in a strange state, don't they? Because as you say, there were people who were saying they weren't attending conventions. Uh, convention attendance has tended to be lower even since the pandemic, the lockdown restrictions have been lifted. Mm -hmm. and and it brings up a question of, you know, there's fewer people going to in-person cons, although that number is, of course, rising. And right. there's a lot of people that went to online cons to make up for that. But those num numbers never quite matched, and they are going down as well. Mm. Are they going back to in-person cons, or are they just kind of stepping back now? It's, uh, it's one of those interesting unknowns. Right, and... Uh... Um, one of the things I know you and I talked about at UK Games Expo was what kind of people are going to in-person cons right now. Yeah, deviants. Yeah, a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my gut reaction based on zero data, uh, just kind of observing crowds, uh, is that I think at UK Games Expo at least – a lot of people who are going to in-person conventions are people who used to go to in-person conventions previously mm -hmm. and specifically crave that experience. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, no, no, sorry, just carry on. No, I was going to say, I, I don't know how many people are in the state of, you know what I'm looking for? I, I'm really into games. I want to be around people who love games. Let me try this, this, this new experience. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that front. Well, it, 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 again, poses a very interesting question of what were people doing during the pandemic? 
And I know that's a very broad question, but what I mean is, was this an occasion where people discovered a new hobby, where they became interested in a new hobby? Is it likely or less likely that following the pandemic, more or less or fewer people have got into gaming? So if you assume that the majority of people who were at Expo and Gen Con and the other large cons are individuals who would have ordinarily attended, right. it would imply that lockdown was not broadly beneficial to the role-playing hobby, I suppose, and board gaming and miniatures. But, you know, there, there may be data to the other side of the extreme, that a lot of people cooped up, played more games, and then thought, wow, when the lockdown restrictions get lifted, I really want to see what this is all about. I want to go to a convention like the UK Games Expo, and now, you know, I guess it's uh, it's almost... Uh, a new stab at leisure activities because I, I don't know like like you my feelings were anecdotal there were uh, there were a lot of people at expo yes um, mainly on the friday and saturday but that's pretty typical the trade halls were constantly busy mm-hmm and judging from many of our friend companies' performances at said expo, there were a lot of uh, small companies, especially indie ones, that sold out of everything they brought. Yeah. So that implies that something went well, that there was a hunger for for new games, new experiences, that people were taking a stab. They weren't just buying D&D or Pathfinder or their traditional games. They were going out, seeing interesting-looking books, and and giving them a go. Again, going back to that central question, how many of these people are established gamers and how many of them are new to the hobby and thinking, this strange, strangely shaped, strangely designed book looks fun. I'll pick this up. Or this board game all about eating sushi during the middle of an earthquake looks like a novel concept. Uh, that That isn't a board game I saw there, but now I could see it. You've got a stack right. of sushi tower and, and choose to eat it. Damn it, I should be in board game design, shouldn't I? <laughs> start all over. Just yes. Walk off into the sunset and, and start with the board game. <laughs> I'll reinvent myself, come back with a beard or something. Right. Uh, uh, but also, like, um, you mentioned the 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 companies that showed up and, and yes, there were a lot of uh, uh, indie folks there or, or smaller scale companies on par with, I think ourselves. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but also it was nice to see the bigger players there. There were, you know, games workshop was there and had a giant space Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, uh, you know, uh, D and D didn't have a booth, but it had a, an entire play area that was themed. They had like, you know, like, like, like it was a tavern. Uh, yeah. So you play D and D, uh, a specific D and D adventure in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else I saw that was, was relatively well, Paizo, Chaosium. Yeah. Uh, Modifius Free League. Uh, mm-hmm. In the RPG space, you know, those are all pretty well-known players. Right. We, um, and in terms of board game, uh, companies, uh, well, yeah, Asmodee were of course there, and well, and a whole load more. So it did seem like there was confidence returning to the convention space for the for those producers. And what would be interesting to me 
is to see how well they did in comparison to the smaller companies. Right. Uh, I know Chaosium did very well. Uh, yeah. Based on photographs re- report reporting that they did throughout the con, they nearly, it seems, almost depleted their entire stock. I know our friends at Handiwork Games had to get a whole new batch of books uh, yep. brought in after the first day because they ran through their stock. So I'm I'm really happy for them. It's and I'm really happy for the industry. Because it shows that there is energy there, there is enthusiasm there, that the pandemic didn't kill us as an industry. Right. Um, but we had that same experience with running our games, didn't we? The, the enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, uh, four of us um, traveled to UK Games Expo to run games. Um, uh, we also went with uh, McKay the Masala and Chris Jones. Jones, right? Yes, Jones. Yeah, 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 that's right. And we actually did an interview with them at the show, uh, which will be coming up in future weeks. I don't know exactly when. Um, but uh, So we sat down with them in a hotel lobby with music playing in the background, and that was the quietest place we could find to record. Uh, but we had a great conversation with them, so you hear that soon. Uh, but uh, for us, we ran a lot of... They came from collectively. I ran two games of Realms of Pugmire, which was specifically using the, the new edition rules. Uh, and I ran two games of Trinity Continuum Anima. Uh, and... All of them were sold out. Only one game did people not attend, and that was a combination of being Sunday morning and also our room got moved at the very, very, very last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I chalked it up to not a lack of interest, but just I, every con I've ever run games at, I always expect the Sunday morning slot to be either canceled or at least reduced. Oh, yeah, Sunday morning is death. We have to... We had to make a choice when we were organizing. All four of us decided we would sync up when we were running our games because it also gave us the chance to actually meet and speak with each other outside of that. You know, we're there as a team. It's nice to actually work and hang out as a team. Right. Uh, but we decided we would run games on Sunday mornings. I think that was my call uh, mm-hmm. because. So I had to weigh up Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. And I find Sunday afternoon at in-person cons almost as precarious because a lot of people are deciding to head home early. Yep. yep. Uh, and also, your energy levels, me, Eddie, Chris, Michele, were likely to be a lot lower come Sunday afternoon than Sunday morning. So it was a risk either way. I think it was important to offer games on Sunday. And, you know, three out of four went perfectly well. Uh, it's just mine and I do take it personally, uh, <laughs> didn't run. Uh, all five tickets handed back in as a group. Yep. Uh, but it did mean I finally got a chance to play Trinity Continuum Anima, and it's one of the rare occasions where I've actually played one of your games, Eddie. That's <laughs> as true. in a game you are running. Uh, yeah. that, there haven't been many occasions like that. Honestly, I think it's that and the Trinity game area for the Pathcast. The only times I think you've played in my games. Uh, I also played in... Oh, no, because you weren't running Pugmire, were you, when uh, we were doing the playtest way back 2017, perhaps, at Gen Oh, no, you're right. I did, because that was you, John Burke, and someone else. No, no, no. Well, I was there. Megan Fitzgerald was there. This was um, at... This was at Gen Con. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This was Pugmire in its infancy. Oh, uh, okay. and I played a character, Gustav von Doberman. 
And, oh, okay, yes. I and I remember, yeah, I remember having a lot of fun with that. Now, I honestly can't recall if you were running it or if you were just observing and taking I, notes. I was observing. I was actually yeah. running that. That, um, that was um, uh, because that was the game uh, that the Wrecking Crew were running. That's it. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but I came in and sat on it because it was one of the few opportunities to have what to be able to actually observe somebody else running my game and take notes. Mm, which I think is incredibly important for game designers to do. Yeah, and it's really hard to do, frankly. Yeah, yeah. The the logistics of it uh, don't always work in our favor. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, so the Pugmire game, um, uh, I ran... I ran the same adventure twice because I, I I generally find the sweet spot is to run, if possible, uh, two different games twice each uh, because that means that people can try to shoot for the time slot that they want to play that game on. And also it allows me to do less prep. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a good balance of making it available and also uh, reduce my overload. Uh, but um, that went really well. Um, the The rules continued to hold up so i didn't see anything like oh i have to go back and change this real quick everyone was pretty happy with what they had uh most everyone was at best had bought pugmire maybe in a bundle at one point in time never got around to reading it um but most people just didn't even know anything about it so it was all new to them and so they were very excited and wanted to you know get more which is always a great place because not only is it uh you know a chance to get new customers obviously but also fresh eyes um, and, and how people kind of see your things because they haven't been embedded in this community in some way. Oh, yeah, I think that's optimal, to be honest, for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of speaks to the the my change in philosophy in terms of running games where I mentioned before on the podcast, I used to attend conventions and I would book myself into six or seven slots and run a different game every single slot, a different system every single slot. And I was doing that for my benefit. I wasn't really doing it for players' sakes. I was doing it because I wanted a chance to run games I never normally got a chance to run. Right. And now, coming at it from an Onyx Path perspective, I want to expose our games to players who don't normally get a chance to play them. Mm-hmm. So running a game uh, several times the same session means you're likely to cut the... Uh, any repeat players out because few people want to play the same scenario twice in one weekend or three times. Right. And so, yeah, like you, I ran the same Camp Murder Lake scenario multiple times. Uh, But yeah, so it was Camp Murder Lake in my case. And not, no, only one of the players across both groups had, it well, even owned Beyond the Grave. Uh, Most of the rest of them, all of the rest of them, uh, had never heard of they came from before, or mm-hmm. they had heard of it but never played it, and that is, as I say, optimal. It's a it it, it kind of shows that our attitude, the way we are currently approaching conventions, of going there primarily to run games ahead of putting a stall out and selling books, is is more or less what we want to be doing because we want people to find out about our games and knowing that there is of course there are hundreds of people demonstrating uh, on the trade floor far fewer of them are in the rpg space actually running their games and right. well we, we're always flexible we're always 
reviewing how we approach cons and then we'll i'm sure be some where we uh where we put up the onyx path stand and sell our books more so we'll do through companies at studio two in this mm -hmm. case i really think it went well because michaela and chris had the same feedback they had lots of players who were new to they came from some thought they were about to play call of cthulhu uh in my case i had one player who looked absolutely bewildered for his first <laughs> hour playing rock and roll cannibal zombie genocide which was my camp murder lake scenario i don't know no. uh, well i i believe his daughter who was also in the session signed him up to it uh, and and he but he was kind of looking around thinking why is everyone <laughs> doing what they're doing with with quips and cinematics and basically playing hell for leather uh uh, as a game style and yeah. he said uh, early on uh, I've only played dungeon crawls so I've never never played one of these they came froms before very and, different yeah and so for the first hour I was quite worried that he was having a miserable time and so I was checking in with him of course giving him things to do that were slightly less frenetic than the other players yeah. um but by these almost exactly on the hour i was checking the time so we could have breaks and so on almost exactly on the hour he just came out with something utterly ridiculous utterly nonsensical yeah big smile on his face he had computed and internalized what this game was that they were a washed up rock band on their way to a genocide festival and there was a zombie apocalypse and now he had he understood, and so he went for a cinematic, and he, he used one of his quips, which I think was, fuck you this way and that, as he used a telescopic microphone stand to impale a <laughs> zombie that was trying to bite one of his bandmates. And all of a sudden, he was into it, and he got it, and by the end of the game, he said, oh, I've never had so much... He actually said, I've never had so much fun playing a role-playing game. And to get that from just demonstrating a game for three to four hours... Uh, for someone who has never played one of our games before, is is wonderful. I don't think we could ask for much more than that, other than you know everyone buying a copy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm very pleased. Uh, uh, honestly, I, I had um, a similar case with uh, Anima. Is uh, people who had no idea not only Anima was, but but Trinity was. Uh, they were just like you know this looked interesting, um, and at one point in time. Uh, on Sunday, I want to mention that uh, things were kind of weren't sure how we were doing attendance wise, and we were discussing maybe we need to combine tables so there's a, a relatively full table. Uh, and so it was between your Murder Lake game and Anima, and one of the players was like, I I'd really quite like to play this because I'm really intrigued by the concept. It's like, okay, well, then there you go, done, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and people really kind of in both games they they really got into the concept and uh i like for, for convention games i don't usually get a ton of role play right i mean you've only got a few hours people are generally strangers to each other um so there's not usually a ton of like character development or or character interaction but uh for the anime and even for the pugmire game um people started really kind of getting into it and and playing their characters and, and you know turning the puzzle over in their heads and, and to the point where both my Anna games, originally I was worried I wasn't going to fill three hours and they both went 
four hours plus, and I, and I had to rush the end of both games mm. uh, because I think people were just really excited by it. Um, and again, uh, uh, quite a few of them were like, I've only ever played D and D. I've only ever played fantasy games. I haven't really played sci-fi games. Uh, and, and they, for a relatively, uh, nuanced concept, you know, cause, cause we've, we've talked before how Anima is not an easy game to pitch. Uh, they got it and ran with it and were really into it. So, um, yeah, that for me, that was great because it was a, a huge confidence boost. I, I, full disclosure, I went into this being a little trepidatious for, you know, it's the new, again, major convention for me in, in several years. I haven't run games physically for people who weren't my friends in since, you know, early 2020. Uh, so there's a lot of the, can I still do this? You know, it's, I'm in a brand new country on top of it. So this is like, you know, my, my first international con where I have lived here. Uh, and it was a real confidence boost to have everyone go away so happy. And the players were all so lovely. And um, I, like, for example, uh, I usually tell my players, you know, I have hearing loss. Uh, and usually in these kinds of rooms, there's a, a susurrus of people talking. And so it's like, so um, it's hard for me to hear sometimes. So if, if I, misunderstand what you're saying or if you're if it's somebody ignoring you it's not just wave your hands let me know and I'll, I'll i'll come back to you and at one point in time uh one of the players uh because mckayla's teams have happy have such a good time i was like do you need me to go ask them to quiet down <laughs> I'm like, no 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 it's fine i'm more than happy to tell mckayla to, to calm down if i need to yeah, I, I was finally on the receiving end of uh, being in a room where they came from was being played, and I was trying to play something else. And <laughs> I realized how absolutely dreadful uh, all they came from players are. And <laughs> the worst. Yeah, yeah. Never want to be on that uh, end of the experience again. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I think the so I, I also I attended a seminar as part of a panel on uh-huh. a uh, injecting horror into your role playing games uh, panel uh, with Kat Evans who frequently works with us mm-hmm. uh, and Stephanie Williamson who is new to me from I think it's uh, Cobblepath Games. Uh, who uh, made a fantastic? Uh, oh, uh, my everything's falling over in my house. A uh, <laughs> fantastic ge- horror game called Locus, which is very Silent Hill in nature. Mm-hmm. And the three of us were uh, on this panel. There was a really strong attendance for the panel as well. You know, we were looking at somewhere somewhere above, I guess, about seventy people in this room, which wow. is pretty good for a if if I dare say so, generic topic of horror in role-playing games. Yeah. And yet they, they were engaged, they were asking questions, and they all wanted to find out more about Onyx Path and they came from at the end of it, uh, Beyond the Grave and Camp Meadow Lake specifically, because that's largely what I was focusing on. I did discuss other horror games too. Um so, yeah, in all, looking back on the expo, admittedly, it's only just finished. I'm really happy with it and hoping we can carry some of that same energy into Onyx PathCon 
uh, which, as you mentioned, is just about to start if you're listening to this uh, as soon as it got uploaded. Right, right, right. Uh, and this will be our fourth Linux PathCon, which seems weird to me. Yeah. Uh, because I remember we did this initially as kind of just a, well, we're not doing our summer conventions. Mm-hmm. Let's do something for our fans to kind of get close to that experience. And now it's just become a tradition. It's become something that we do. And every year we look forward to it. And again, this is my first time uh, doing it from overseas, which I mean, from a, on a virtual convention standpoint, seems like nothing changes, but uh, time zones become a, a bigger factor now. Yeah. Uh, well, I have started doing the, the math of these are panels that I think I should be on, but some of them end up being midnight my time. So could we possibly swap some panels around or maybe I just don't get to be on some of the panels I want to be on to try to make that all work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's well, it's a challenge, as you know, I have always had. Yes, it's yeah, true. But you never heard me complaining. No, no, step over lip and all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm very pleased to be honest, you know, selfishly that Eddie is now on my side of the Atlantic because it, it kind of evens out the. The, the the scheduling, the, the possibilities of what we can actually do at these online conventions like Onyx Path Con and any other online conventions that Onyx Path chooses to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that if, yeah, if there are games that Eddie and I mutually worked on, then it makes sense to run those panels at a time that both of us can comfortably attend them. Uh, right. makes, it makes it more awkward when that isn't the case, and there are games uh, that are like that because we don't thinking about it there haven't been a huge number of games recently in the last i guess year or two that we have both contributed to you know there was uh classified right uh, which i'm what? running at uk game or at uh on path con so which is delightful to me it means i owe you uh i need to run a realms of pugmire at some point uh, although I know I have already ran that for you both on the Pathcast and sure. on my YouTube channel way back when. Mm-hmm. Way back when. That was the one I was thinking of earlier. And yeah, yes, yes, of course. Sure. Yeah, and you you are correct. John Burke was in that game, our our colleague John. I digression. Have I told you the premise I'm going to use for the Onyx PathCon game for Classified? No, no. Um, and do you want to? With sure, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough. I won't actually go into the the details of the of the, of the event, but um, um, the basic premise is that uh, everyone is part of kind of a Mission Impossible style team, mm-hmm. um, with one leads uh, secret agent. Yeah. Um, and so lead secret agent gets the um um message, and is the of course, if you choose to accept it, we'll just follow knowledge, and then the agent goes, "Hang on." I don't want to accept this and just leaves <laughs> and so leaving his support team to try to actually finish the mission. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that is an unexpected uh, consequence <laughs> of laying down such, uh, such a mandate, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, the James Bond never says, you know what? In fact, I'll tell you something, Mr. Moneypenny. I will, <laughs> I will skip out on this mission and uh, enjoy my time on the Algarve. Be seeing you. <laughs> and at which point he gets into the Lotus Six with number six, and off they go to enjoy summer in the Algarve while M is saying, What is 007 doing? 
Where are you going, my friends? That, that man's a burned agent. <laughs> I think he's a danger man, a dangerous man. Anyway, I could go on. I could uh, do a uh, whole... Uh, in fact, I will, but no. Um, oh, but I, you're I, right. I, There's I, not been many that. games that we've both worked on in, in recent memory. No, no, that's strange, isn't it? Uh, we, we've drifted apart. Uh, so we will have to find a way to remedy that. Uh, yeah. When I do classified games, I tend to uh, pull a plot from an episode of The Avengers, John Steed and Emma Peel, Avengers, right. of course. Right. Uh, or uh, Honor Blackman, or, um, uh, well, I, I actually I would say Emma Peel or Tara King. Those two are probably best for one shots anyway. True. Um but yes, I often find myself combining the plots of, uh, for anyone listening who has ever watched The Avengers, The Positive Negative Man and A Surfeit of H2O, where people <laughs> inexplicably drown in the middle of fields. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I do find Classified a very easy game to run, and once it's more easily available uh, on Drive Through RPG, Indie Press Revolution, and wherever else I'm more likely to start running at conventions, I expect. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that by next year, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be maybe even like just if it's in PDF, uh, because I, I think that will be a fun addition to our, our overall roster. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I admit, I think uh, the easiest game for me to run, and this convention has really cemented it, is Camp Murder Lake. Mm -hmm. uh, I it has become my natural groove now, which is a shame because it's a source book, not a core book. But right. you know, if it convinces people to buy two books, that's a good thing. Uh, at Onyx PathCon, I will be running a session of the World Below, Ooh. which is going to be a first, a, a sneak preview. Uh, no one has seen me do that before. And we'll, we'll also have a panel about it, which we are hoping Ed Greenwood should be there for, uh, as he was one of the contributors to the book. Uh, it won't just be Ed, mind you, uh, but uh, Ed contributed an awful lot regarding the setting of the world below. And the game, I anticipate building on some of the material that we teased in our world below blogs. Oh, uh, nice. Regarding the fallen settlement of Glowstream, uh, there were some wonderful suggestions that were made in the comments of that blog about what could have happened to Glowstream, how did it end up in the current way it is. And if you are listening to this and you made the, made some of those comments, you should watch that actual play because you may see some of your ideas being shamelessly stolen and uh, and used <laughs> by me as a story guide. No, no credit, no, no payment, just. Oh, no. No, no, we don't do that. Not even exposure. I mean, rather, <laughs> we'll lock you in a room. No one will ever hear from you again. This is our idea now. Uh, in seriousness, uh, uh, TJ Wilson uh, was the person who made, the, I guess, the most critical, critically appropriate uh, suggestion uh, for what could have happened to Glowstream, and so his name has ended up already in the in the book as the creepy person uh, telling you all about Glowstream. So thank you very much, TJ. That's uh, that's that's your addition there. There you go. There you go. Your your claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, and so we're gonna have um uh, a whole bunch of panels. In in some ways, kind of the opposite of Yu Games Expo, in that we only had just the one panel. We're gonna have a lot of panels. At on this path come 
covering a wide variety of topics. We're in, uh, I know there's an Onyx 20 panel, so we're going to talk more about uh, that and the, the system that runs Pugmire and uh, maybe a look at what the future holds for that. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned uh, the world below. Um, we're going to have a StoryPath Ultra panel, I want to say. Or I mean, it's a StoryPath panel. I'm not sure which. But we're going to talk about Ultra a bit more. I know that. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I know we're going to tease uh, some stuff coming up. We're going to make some announcements about stuff coming up. Mm, well, let's remain nebulous about that. This one. Uh, yeah, that's as far as I was going to go. It's just like, yeah, yeah. there are going to be announcements. I'm not going to tell you what they are or where to find them. Just Ooh. watch the whole convention to find out. <laughs> <laughs> in the last two minutes of an obscure panel. Right, yeah. Why, why are they doing a panel on basket weaving? Well, you'll find out in the 58th minute. Right, it, it, it's in the Badana panel. And, like, you know, so we make all of our major announcements. Uh, but there will be a uh, Badana panel. We're talking about uh, branch writers, too. So that's another one. That, that, yeah. Um, we haven't talked much about, but uh, I've been working with the branch writers team and they're hard at work on the final draft. So uh, I, I think that's going to be. A good one, if you will. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so it's been uh, obviously we've talked about how it's 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 a little exhausting to go from one convention to another, but well, I just yawned, so uh, yeah, I, I I've been stifling my my yawns and trying to be <laughs> my yawn, but uh, 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 certainly uh, there's there's a, a an energy kind of drop. It con drop is real. I mean, you know, the the whole you uh, kind of physically depressed, emotionally depressed on some level. Uh, it, it it's a it's a real thing that you need to take care of. Now I'll say this in our defense because I mentioned it in our other recording. I don't know if that's going out before or after this. Is that 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 old uh, habit of you have to drink at games conventions in order to network and all of that? Uh, we were remarkably I wouldn't even say restrained. We were responsible. Uh, oh. No no one got drunk. In fact, no one, I think, had more than a single drink in alcoholic. You know, we stayed hydrated. Don't be silly. But when people complain about con crud uh, or coming back from a convention feeling like crap, basically, um, there, I think there is a definite formula in, as you say, there's the drop in emotions, there's a drop in energy. It's like mm. you've not been eating terribly well. It's yeah. like you've not been drinking enough. You've been around a lot of people, which means, and probably shaking hands with a lot of people too, mm -hmm. in not terribly well ventilated places. But more than that, and I think, I'm hopeful we will get through this, and I think that magic formula is alcohol. Now, I'm no prohibitionist, right? but I think the lack of alcohol is really a very good way of ensuring that you're not destroying your immune system. <laughs> because if you are drinking heavily at a convention, you are uh, you're weakening your body. You're making it more likely that you're going to catch something that will make you sick. But if you're not doing that, then that is one part of the chain that will hopefully keep you whole and stable. But uh, who knows? We'll see. If in a couple of days, Eddie and I are on our deathbeds, then I'll say, oh, damn it, I wish I'd got lashed on whiskey or something. Oh, yeah, I hate drunk more. Yeah. <laughs> I've um, only unpreserved myself in gin. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, uh, certainly... Um... Even before uh, uh, COVID, I, I had already started reducing my uh, alcohol intake and trying to, to get to sleep more at yeah. conventions because and, – and I had consistently found that I was not sick. I mean, I'm, again, still physically tired just because um, 
know, train there and back and lots of walking and... Well, we haven't had a weekend, have we? I mean, right. um, it's our choice, but yeah, we were still working on books on Wednesday and then we were traveling on the train to the UK Games Expo on Thursday. Now we're recording this on the Tuesday after coming back on the Monday. So yeah, we are... It, it is perfectly normal, I think, that we are feeling a bit tired. Right, exactly. Uh, um, but I mean, it, it's like you said. Like I, I'm just I was going through my head. I, I had I actually did actually have two drinks at one meal just because there was that one place that had two foreign cocktails. Yeah, uh, and that was the kind of cherry coke cocktail that I had. Um, that did look I, nice. It was it was quite nice. I was very mm. happy with it. Um, I had one can of Camden ale, pale ale, uh, and one pint of Guinness. And I think that's it. I think that's all I had the whole weekend. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it wasn't much. I mean, I have nets out to basically one drink a day, which is even more than I usually drink, frankly. Uh, yeah. I think we did well, Eddie. I yeah. think we were responsible adults, and what's more, it allowed us to look after our team and Michaela and Chris. Yeah. Uh, until they say otherwise. Right, and they're like, no, please, stop looking after us. <laughs> um. So, I mean, another thing that conventions are great for, aside from obviously uh, promoting all the great stuff we're working on, is to kind of get a sense of what's happening outside of our sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, talk about maybe some of the things that we... You mentioned some of the games you looked at, but I mean, just some of the things that we've, we've uh, noticed or heard about uh, throughout uh, the convention. Um, like, for, for me... I noticed, and I don't know how much of this is specific to UK Games Expo, how much of this is European cons versus American cons, how much of this is post-COVID. I'm not sure, but I certainly saw a lot more open gaming spaces. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I don't, now, I don't know how much they were being used because we were so often in our room, in, in our little parts of the hotel, running organized games. Right. Uh, so that is an unknown to me. But the space was definitely there. Uh, I just didn't ever see whether it got filled up. Right. Um, uh, also, there's been a definite, uh, for me, increase in board games. Yeah. Uh, so that there were a lot more board game vendors there and board game events happening. Uh, it oh, like yeah. I was, the- I was amazed by how, by how many were selling mega games. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, not just Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, but games of an even greater scale than that, because I was thinking, yes, I can see the appeal of buying these things. I own some of these things. But to buy one at a convention, I guess, obviously, you'd have to have a car. You'd have to have a car with a big, empty boot or a clear back seat. Well, uh, well, you say that, but um, I noticed on Sunday, uh, and I'm, in a way, I'm glad I noticed afterwards, because otherwise I may have bought more. Mm. Uh, but um, they did have a, uh, a a space where you could actually bring your purchases to a booth, and they would pack them up and actually ship them to your house for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I unfortunately, it was probably Europe only, but unfortunately, the uh, hotel. Uh, so sadly, I lost two shirts. Uh, I was yes. gambling, obviously. Uh, I lost. <laughs> 
I lost my shirt twice. I shared a room with Eddie. Eddie claims he didn't steal my shirts. Uh, I'm choosing to believe him, but you know, let the li- yeah, let the listener decide. Uh, I I checked out last, forgot to check the wardrobe on the way out, and mm. I realized when I, once I got back, oh shit, I left my two shirts there. This is the most boring anecdote of all time, but I'm going to get to the conclusion of it now that I've started. And so I got in touch with the hotel, via Michele, who was still there, and said, hey, I left these shirts in this room. Uh, Please can I have them mailed back? Here's my address. Mm -hmm. In the good old days, Eddie, in the good old days... Back in the day. If you remember from the movie Shawshank Redemption, this does have a point. (laughs) Uh, in In the Shawshank Redemption... Andy Dufresne, when he hands in the evidence uh, to... Uh, he goes to the bank, clears out his accounts. This is after his escape, spoilers. Right. And he has his big parcel of evidence that he wants to be have sent to the newspaper. And he says to the bank manager, would you mind putting this in your outgoing mail? And the bank manager says, sure. Thank you very much. And off Andy Dufresne goes. He doesn't have to pay for the postage. He just knows this is a company. It'll look after its clients, look after the people who have paid for the service. Sure, we'll send this parcel that would probably actually run up something like £5.15 in postage. But not the hotel we stayed in. Oh, no, the hotel, which was perfectly lovely, did wonderful breakfast. But no, when it came to sending my shirts back, they said, but that will cost you £5.15. And, of course, then they couldn't find the damn shirts anyway because either Eddie stole them or someone in housekeeping stole them or I secreted them so successfully in this wardrobe that no one has yet discovered them. So, in short, my conventional experience was ruined. Ruined. I think it was a very obvious third option here. Um, I mean, because Michele was still there at the time. Michele wasn't in our room. You don't know that. I'm, you well, I never gave Michele a key, so unless Michele, like no, see, our character in Anima, had some kind of electronic uh, lock-picking yeah. tool. I mean, the, the, the conspiracy deepens here. Uh, the, the real conundrum here is, what am I going to do for two new shirts? I've got to buy two shirts now. Do I need to buy two shirts? It, it's, it's a quandary. Listeners, you chime in, send a postcard, or £5.15, whatever. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm happy either way. Can you even uh, buy a shirt for five pounds fifteen anymore? No, I would. I imagine not. Maybe a Primark, uh, but I, I wouldn't be seen dead. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 too good for Primark shirts. Yeah. Now, where were we? Yes, about shipping uh, shipping games from the convention. Yes, I did see that option, but again, the thought struck me that. When I go to a con, I tend to want to, I guess, pick up what I've purchased and bring it home. I don't want to add another £20 or plus postage on top. But different people have different situations. Um, what I did find was, and I spoke to the RPG branch of the organisers, is it wasn't just our games that did well. All of the RPGs, uh, except for cancellations, were pretty much fully booked. Really? Yeah, yeah, there was a huge demand for RPGs, but interestingly, not enough GMs. Huh. And it's something you used to hear about quite a lot. And of course, anecdotally, people always say, oh, you know, I want to play a game, but no one runs it and I never run games. But 
it's one of those things where I imagine with that slow creep back to how conventions were before the pandemic, that if you think about it, if let's say three out of every player group of six haven't returned to cons yet, let's say one out of every six GMs hasn't returned to conventions yet. Mm-hmm. So that has an immediate, immediately more recognizable effect than there being a lack of players. I would say. So, yeah, uh, if a lot of the regular GMs just haven't gone back to cons, or even a even a an eighth of them, let's say, then that has a dramatic effect on the number of games available. So, yeah, uh, if listeners, you should always, always, if you have the confidence consider running one of our games. This is why we partner with Start Playing, yep. because there is an Onyx Path gaming night every single month. And although it's called Gaming Night, it runs for the whole day. And you can, of course, run games at any other time on Start Playing. And this may lead to you running a full-length campaign. But we have all these jump starts. A lot of the sessions we were running were out of our jump starts. You know, they were things we'd already yep. written. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to learn the rules. It allows new players to run, learn the rules. And it lets you meet new players at the same time. Maybe new yeah. friends down the line. And yeah, we do that because we want more people running our games. The best marketing that we can get, ultimately, is knowing that someone who has never run one of our games before is running a game for people who have never played one of our games before. Because immediately, to look at it rather capitalistically, that translates to potential sales. And we do need to sell our games to keep running as a company. Sure. So, yeah, uh, get out there, run some games, uh, provide us with the feedback, and try and Build up some enthusiasm for all these games you love. I assume you love them, otherwise you're probably not listening to this podcast. And also, uh, Start Playing is going to be uh, available for people to run games during Onyx PathCon as well. So They are um, indeed. They if, are indeed. If, if you're inspired by this, um, feel free to throw up a, a game real quick on Start Playing, and uh, I'm sure there'll be people who are looking for yet another game during the whole weekend. So Yeah, yeah. And uh, our games were on sale at UK Games Expo. Uh, at the very games, least, yeah. Leisure Games was selling them. They may have been on sale elsewhere, but I know Leisure Games definitely had some in stock, and several games sold through. Uh, you know, they were on display, and by the end of the con, they weren't. So again, either someone bought them or someone stole them, but uh, they were gone. And uh, yeah, I know we were just... Uh, we were about to talk about other things that we saw, other companies that we saw. It was wonderful to see, I mentioned Handiwork Games, who yep. we're good friends with, uh, and their Beowulf game, uh, A-States, you know, their, their game's doing so damn well and looking mm-hmm. so beautiful. Nightfall Games as well, who I've got a great deal of fondness for because I've always been a fan of Slay Industries. Same. Uh, and it was lovely to chat with Dave Allsop, the creator of Slay Industries, at length. Uh, but there's, and of course, I mentioned Cat Evans earlier. Uh, he was there with X Stasis Games, uh, his company, and they were run. They were selling through a whole bunch of their own games, such as Death Throws, 
and doing really well in the convention space and it's it's lovely to see people you like companies you care about doing well in this environment which is incredibly competitive yeah i mean i it shows you the the scale of uk games expo i somehow missed cat the entire weekend yeah uh, it's well so i mentioned uh stephanie and cole path games and their their game of locus mm-hmm. so i had that panel with them on saturday and i said i really like the sound of your game i'm going to go i'm going to come and pick it up and even though i had the uk games expo app on my phone and I was looking for the stall, and I could see where it was supposed to be. I think I probably walked past it something like twelve times. It wasn't even hidden in an alcove. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just there. There's so much going on that it can sometimes be very difficult to see the wood for the trees. I did luckily find them on the Sunday, and and uh, true to my word, picked up a copy of their game. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, in all, Eddie, I think it was a good con, and I'm looking forward to Onyx Path Con too because we've got a lot of very dedicated customers, fans, readers, role players, and the fact that they want to tune in to find out what's going on at Onyx Path is is always heartening. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, and that's that's what I was thinking is like um, I'm glad in one way that we did this right before Onyx Path Con because. Uh, there's a momentum, right? It, it's the, we just got off of chatting. People were very excited about it. We're going to go into uh, another uh, set of, of events where we're, people are excited to see, to hear what's going on and see what's going on. We could do it from our homes so I can go right to bed, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I can just bring my own alcohol as opposed to having to go out and find it. It's great. <laughs> lower your own, lower your immune system in just, the just, safety just, just of your own house. With bottles after I'm yeah. done with the convention. Just keep crushing uh, cans on camera. <laughs> right in the forehead. Just, yeah. um, just bleeding heavily, chain smoking. What do you want? <laughs> oh, you want to speak about Pugmire? Let me just finish this drink. Right, right. Because, I mean, I was about to say as a joke that Pugmire's best drunk, but to be fair, that's not entirely inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, some of that they came from, it's like there's a certain amount of, of, of silliness that, that if you're the kind of person that alcohol helps to encourage that, then, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as uh, long, yeah, not, as, long as, it doesn't ta- as long as you don't take it too far. Right. Uh, but for me, and, and this is going back to, to UK Game Expo, this is purely a American coming at this from an outside perspective. Uh, um, I'm continually uh, uh, surprised in a pleasing way of finding things that are distinctively British, right? Uh, and for me, kind of, there were a couple things, but the one that was most interesting to me was uh, uh, Kingmaker. Uh, yeah. You had talked to Gibson's, who's apparently a well-established board game company, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing a new edition of Kingmaker, and I had never heard of Kingmaker. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about what Kingmaker is. Oh, well, it's, a, it's essentially a Wars of the Roses board game. It's been going since the 1970s, I think, late 1970s, in mm-hmm. various iterations. And uh, it takes you through the uh, various centuries of, of war that uh, the Wars of the Roses spans. I think a lot of people assume it is just Richard III versus Henry Tudor. 
uh, who becomes Henry VII, but uh, it goes on much beyond that. And the board game very accurately, uh, and in a fun way, you know, it isn't a dry historical game. There's a lot of fun to it, too. Um, emulates uh, how how that plays out. You've got a you've got a sort of Game of Thrones esque way of switching sides, you know, forming allegiances with various vassal houses and things like that who might abandon you. So there's there's depth, there's narrative depth to it. But yeah, again, very nice to see Gibson Games there and they them doing so well too. And I end up picking and, up a copy. And it was interesting because I chatted with with a few people about it. It's like, oh, I saw Kingmaker there, and all of, of my friends in the UK are like, oh, I used to play that so much. Like, it was very much a Fonz cultural memory. Yeah, uh, yeah. This board game I had never heard of, and it is. I, I, I did some research on it. It is as old as D anD D. It came out in seventy four, the same year. Mm. Um. So, uh, uh, in a way, I'm glad I found this out after the convention uh, because I may have been tempted to purchase it. Uh, but. Um, they had like here's you could play it with the same components. You could play the classic version of the game. You could play a modern update of the game. Uh, you could play a solo version of it. Uh, and uh, so it was. It was. It very much felt like this is something that uh, is very fondly remember. Let's do a a really nice deluxe update and remake of it, akin to like say twentieth twentieth anniversary edition of Vampire. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So that was really cool for me. And also I saw um, a reprint of a couple of the Judge Dread board games, which I was actually somewhat familiar with. A couple of those didn't make it overseas in the late 80s for me. Mm. Uh, so that was a little less of a, uh, this is new to me and more of a, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, but they, again, they looked, they looked lovely. And they, they were, but those were also not remasters. They were very much, very authentic. The rule book has the exact same rules in it. Um, a couple pieces of art were updated, but most everything else was pretty much exactly as it was printed in the 80s. That was very much a, a reissue uh, akin to when um, uh, Fantasy Flight did the Star Wars uh, 80s role-playing game as a as a slipcover set a while back. And they were, yeah. aside from legal text, um, they were basically just complete reprints of those original books. And they did amazingly well. And nostalgia does sell. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I still have my copies. I, I think it survived the move. I'm not 100 sure, but also just you know, uh, I made I made some new friends. Um, you know, people that uh, I'd worked with but never actually physically met. Um, some people that I'd never met before, I got to spend time with. Uh, and also, you were there too, so you know, it wasn't you know all wine and roses. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> standing on the edge of your bed, staring at you. Right, and we also we actually, we actually got to play a game uh, that that wasn't work related. Yes, um, we did. We uh, performed some Cthulhu esque uh, investigations. A bureau we? investigation, yeah. Bureau investigation. I'm sure in at least one of the, uh, I'm thinking it's Shadow over Innsmouth. It's re they are referred to as the Department of Works. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a really it's a wonderfully ambiguous name. Right. I, but that could have been an introduction by one of the many, many role-playing games. I don't know. But I, but anyway, yeah, uh, we uh, we bumped into some ghouls and some uh, the great race of Yith. Uh, watched some uh, truly authentic uh, Inuit dancing, <laughs> and and, uh, and then 
attended the the wedding of the daughter of uh, Vito Corleone. It was a very good. Uh, it was a very good convention and a very good board game. Yes, yes. But I think the highlight for me of the entire con, somewhat selfishly, was in running. They came from Camp Myrtle Lake. Uh, I have a character uh, for that Camp Myrtle Lake scenario called Leather Daddy. Yes, and I think that it it kind of gives out an image. <laughs> you know, it's a strong name. It's a strong name for a character, right? And this is the lead guitarist for the band uh, that you're a part of in this Camp Murder Lake scenario, or one of the lead guitarists. There are two for some reason uh, who are constantly battling and don't tend to harmonize. <laughs> and Leather Daddy. In in both cases where I ran the scenario this time, so I've ran the scenario I think three times, or maybe four times now, and it is always interesting to see how a different person plays Leather Daddy, <laughs> because right. they tend to be incredibly over the top, and one of them, one of the players, a guy by the name of Craig, ended up mixing this uh, this leather sort of fetish suit wearing rock star with sex machine from from dusk till dawn so he had the uh the machine gun cod piece uh but he then changed that out for a flamethrower cod piece with two gasoline sacks underneath uh oh no a little um there was a little squeak 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 turn dial that he could use to make the flame either sort of light cigarette lighter size or flamethrower burst it was very juvenile very silly puerile stuff but it's exactly, I guess, what you want out of a convention Camp Myrtle Lake scenario because everyone loved it, and I don't think anyone will ever forget who played in that game anyway. How yeah, Leather Daddy no. went from Leather Daddy to Leather Padre because he found God partway through the scenario, <laughs> uh, ultimately to Leather Pope, and when he sacrificed himself to the zombie horde, he became Leather Jesus. <laughs> Leather Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the problem was, Eddie, oh that God. in Camp Murder Lake there is a mechanic called a twist, right. which we introduced in Camp Murder Lake and has appeared in some of the other they came froms. And it's a fiasco-style way of introducing a twist, something that hasn't arrived so far, but it energizes the game in a new direction. Mm -hmm. And so we we flipped to see what the twist would be, and the I think it was an object or location was a closet. So this was halfway through the session. Leather Daddy was isolated from the rest of the group by this point. They're driven off in their tour bus and left him behind. And um, so this is what Leather Leather Daddy would encounter on the road. And so he encountered a closet. That was one flip. Uh, and Father Desmond the Nosy Priest was the person. Uh -huh. And the motivation or event was Crave's set. <laughs> and so Leather Daddy was walking around all forlorn because his party had abandoned him all he had left now was the leather thong and <laughs> then he just saw this closet on the side of the road in Alabama <laughs> where the game was the yeah, yeah there was just a closet and a voice from within that for some reason I decided was going to be from deepest darkest Yorkshire oh <laughs> is that Leather Daddy out there would you like to join me in the closet? And, <laughs> and this very weird 
I wouldn't even call it Lynchian because there's some strings of sense to to Lynch, but uh, yeah, for some reason it was more Mighty Boosh like, really. Because let the daddy decided ultimately, yes, I do want to see what's in this closet. That's what you would do in a horror movie. And so let the daddy approached the closet, entered. We don't know what happened. I think they played the gratuitous sex scene cinematic. When he emerged, he was once again clothed uh, beyond the leather thong. He was now in a, le- a leather cassock. And, and um, yes, Father Desmond, the nosy priest, had ordained him into the Church of Leather. So how's that uh, for a character arc? <laughs> <laughs> and who's to say that you can't have strong character motivations in They Came From Games? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so um, that's a, as good a place as any to end this. Uh, uh, so hopefully if you're listening to this on Friday, um, right as this drops, we look forward to seeing you at uh, Onyx PathCon. If we saw you at UK Games Expo, it was great to see you. And hopefully we'll see you again at, at future conventions. Uh, and... I am looking forward to more conventions in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about conventions in a way I have been for quite a while now. That is, that's wonderful. And I, I, I can't take the credit for it. I didn't arrange the expo, but I'm glad you've enjoyed your first British convention since moving to Britain. Indeed. Uh, I'm, I'm com- from here. Yeah, I'm contemplating whether to attend Conduct, which is actually in the same county that I live in. That's in early August. It will be, okay. only be a small one. Uh, sadly, can't make tabletop Scotland this year, but yes, I am. I have my eyes open for upcoming cons in the UK. Yeah, as do I as well. So, if people wanted to talk to you about what uh, uh, UK conventions you're going to in the future, where would they find you online? MatthewDawkins.com or on Twitter at DawkinsMP or on Discord uh, on the Onyx Path Discord. You will find me as Matthew Dawkins. Uh, and you can find you actually find finally. An updated list of my convention appearances at pugsteady.com. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. That is my personal website. You can also find me as Pugsteady on Twitter and at dice.camp. Uh, and you can find all of us, actually, on the Onyx Path Discord, particularly in the Onyx Path Cash channel, which is just as full of off-topic nonsense as you would expect from uh, a channel dedicated to the entire Pathcast. Uh, so uh, feel free to hang out there before, during, or after Onyx PathCon. Uh, but otherwise, we will see you there or hope you had fun at Onyx Path Con. But regardless, and as always, many worlds. <laughs>